there. You're listening to episode number nine of the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for following your curiosity, which led you here to the Estranged Heart. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. Shall we begin? But first, a disclaimer. I am not a therapist or a counselor, and nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Like every other episode, let's begin with a quote. The best way out is always through. Robert Frost As I contemplated today's episode, um, it actually came on the heels of Christmas. Christmas was yesterday. And um, I had another episode planned um, and scheduled for today. And I moved that to the back burner because I I felt that this was um, a bit more pressing. And um, that came because of the outreach um, and question I got most over the last week. Um, and this typically happens around the holidays. The holidays are an especially difficult time for anyone going through estrangement. And the, the one question I get the most is the title of this episode. And that is how do I get through this? I received, um, several emails, uh, especially yesterday on Christmas um, but over, over the course of the last week from, uh, mainly estranged parents, um, wanting to know how, how to get through the heartache and pain that they were feeling by not having their adult children in their life. Um, and while I'd like to say that while I did not receive any messages from estranged adult children, um, I do want to recognize that they too um, go through their own uh, pain and heartache around the holidays by not having um, and being connected with their parents. So as I contemplated this episode and trying to figure out um, the best advice I can give um, on how, how to get through this pain, I thought of all the, the ways and things that I did um, and the things that I know I've heard from other estranged parents um, and estranged adult children on, on how they got through their pain of estrangement. The initial, you know, gut-wrenching um, typically found at the beginning of an estrangement experience. Um, and so I thought I would just share with you today things that worked for me, things that I've heard that have, have worked for others. Um, please take what works for you, what resonates with you. Um, and if it doesn't leave it, um, I am by no means saying that what worked for me is the gospel and the only way to get through this. It's not the be all end all. Um, there are billions of us, um, here on the planet and there just is probably at just as many ways of coping with the um, pain that comes with an estrangement experience. 
So I just simply ask that you listen to these um, suggestions with an open heart. I ask that you have a bit of curiosity um, because without curiosity, we remain stuck in what I call sealed in one perspective, in one way, and oftentimes in life to get through anything, through any traumatic event or any difficult challenge, um, we have to try different ways that we may have never thought of before that we may have never been open to before. And I relate this back to, um, I spent a number of years as a labor and birth doula. And most birthing people will tell you that what they thought they would do (laughs) pre-labor and delivery was not necessarily what was reality when they were in it. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm referencing here today is that be open to other potential options, solutions, suggestions, things of that nature. So the first thing that I can suggest is, it, I mean, it is something pretty basic, um, yet I see um, a lot of, of estranged folks um, fighting this and that is to simply recognize where you are and accept that um now i know all of you are like i know where i'm at i'm in the middle of estrangement right um but to truly recognize where that where that puts you right, is, a, is an important first step before you can do anything else. You have to know, know the facts of your current situation. And the fact is you are estranged. Whether you're an estranged parent and your adult child has estranged from you or you're an estranged adult child and you have estranged from your parent. Recognizing the fact that, oh my goodness, this is where I am. I am an estranged person on some level, right? And then to accept that, that's the, that's the hardest part for, and especially for estranged parents, is that acceptance. Because I think that a lot of them feel, well, if I accept this, then that must mean that I agree with it, and I'm happy with it, and this is just the way that it's going to be, and, and I just give up and, and accept that this is my life now. And that's not what I mean by accepting where you're at. When we can accept reality, and the reality is that you are estranged. When we can accept that, we stop fighting against it. And when, when we fight against something, that keeps the wheels in motion of the pain and remunerating and, you know, the cycle of over and over and over and over. Um, 
and, and seemingly no way out. And so when I say to recognize where you're at and accept it, it's just simply saying, okay, here I am. I am in the middle of an estrangement and this, this is, this is my reality right here, right now, today, this is my reality. Doesn't mean it's going to be this way forever. Doesn't mean, you know, it can't ever change, but just right here, right now, it means this. So the second place, the second thing, um, that worked for me was to try, I, I began to learn about, um, the fact that I was experiencing trauma when my daughter's estranged from me. And looking back now, I can see it also when I estranged from my mom when I was a young adult, was that I, I was experiencing trauma, little t trauma. Again, I know I've, I've talked about this and covered it before in other episodes. I don't mean, you know, the big t traumas of war and genocide and um, you know, mass shootings and things like that. I'm talking little T traumas and we all go through little T traumas, but it's important to recognize and understand that estrangement is trauma. Um, to quote Dr. Gabor Mate, who is a um, family physician, Canadian family physician, um, who specializes in trauma and addiction and attachment, um, in childhood, um, he defines trauma as a psychic wound that hardens you psychologically that then interferes with your ability to grow and develop. It pains you and now you're acting out of pain. It induces fear and now you're acting out of fear. Trauma is not what happens to you it's what happens inside of you as a result of what has happened to you. So the trauma is the feeling that you're feeling having been estranged or having your children estranged from you. It's that feeling of rejection, that feeling of abandonment. Those, that's the trauma. And so when you can understand that what you're experiencing is trauma and that and that because of that, it's, it's affecting the way that you are acting, um, you know, when you're acting out of pain and out of fear. And so when we can try to understand that, it can put a different perspective and spin on things for you. Um, I know that in the beginning of estrangement, it's, it's hard to recognize these things because the pain is so intense, right? It's kind of like a, a physical wound when you first encounter an injury or an acute illness. The very first thing is, you know, you can't think straight because you've got this pain and this initial shock um, and things like that. And so when you're in the middle of that, you're not going to understand. You're not going to recognize and accept where you're at and your understanding of the little t traumas. But as you um, I encourage you to try to, to work your way to that place, right? Um, so it's important to understand um, that, that estrangement is a type of trauma. Um, I learned that when I was in um, therapy and the beginning of my therapy about my estrangement 
experience and it made so much sense um, when I was able to delve into that a, a bit more. Another piece is to understand that you are experiencing grief and specifically ambiguous loss. Okay, um, our culture uh, makes room somewhat, I mean, I, I tend to have a different take on this, but somewhat makes room for uh, grieving um, the death, you know, the death of someone. However, grieving ambiguous loss is something that um, our culture just does not understand, doesn't accept, doesn't allow for that type of thing. So and what what is ambiguous loss? Again, I've, I've covered this in other episodes, but again, um, it's a loss that occurs without a significant likelihood of reaching emotional closure or a clear understanding. This kind of loss leaves a person searching for answers um, and it uh, then complicates and delays the process of grieving, which then delays um, the process of healing. Um, and it often results in unresolved grief. This, this grief and grieving process takes time. And as we, most of us are aware of, um, you know, there are stages to grief and they, um, they ebb and flow. Um, there's no, you know, linear way of moving through grief. One day you're, you're okay. And you think you've, you, you're healed and you're moving on. And the next day you're down on your knees again. Um, and that's, that's all a part of the grieving process. So understand that you, you are grieving the loss of your relationship with your adult child or with your parent. You are grieving that loss. And um, oftentimes, more so for the adult parent, it's it's an, a loss that they don't understand um, and, and there is no emotional closure for. Um, so that just, it, it complicates um, an already complicated process. Um, the next piece, and in, in these may not necessarily be in, in order, but um, the next piece would be to allow your emotions to be, right? As you're going through that grieving process, it's super, super, super important to allow your emotions to come up and out. Now, I will say it's probably going to be better served if you can do that in healthy ways <laughs> as opposed to unhealthy ways. But when you're feeling anger, it's important to get that anger out because when we don't feel our emotions, we don't, when we don't feel the feelings and we stuff them down and we stuff them down and we stuff them down, we get stuck. When we can let them up, come up and out, we can heal from that plate, from that point. It's kind of, again, going back to the analogy of a, a wound. Um, if it's in, you know, it's got all this infection and pus and everything in it. And if we just keep putting a bandaid over it and, you know, type it, putting it something over it to keep it from coming out, it gets infected. And then things go from bad to worse, as, as we all know from that physical stance. It's the same thing is happening with your emotions. So it's super important to get them up and out. Tears cleanse. There's a reason why you were given tears besides just, you know, keeping your eyes moistened. Um, 
there's a reason for them. Allow them to come up and out. And if you are not able to do that in front of other people, then find a place of solitude that you can. It's super, super, super important. Just as anger is important, sadness is important, crying is important, um, all of the emotions that come up, all of them are valid and all of them are deserving to be validated, right? Okay, then the next step is to get curious. Um, you know, I, I talk all the time about how it's it's near impossible to make changes in your life, to grow and evolve as a human being without a sense of curiosity. Um, and, you know, contrary to popular belief, popular belief, curiosity does not kill the cat. Um, it helps you to grow and evolve. It helps you to heal. Um, so when I first went through my estrangement experience, I actually went through it kind of uh, from a different different avenue. Um, and that was, I was estranged from my children, but I wasn't allowed to see my grandchildren. So my first outreach was, you know, Google was my best friend. And so I went online and I Googled, you know, grandparents kept from grandkids. And that took me to a, um, a group in Florida called Alienated Grandparents Anonymous. Um, and from there, um, I started a support group in Seattle from that, and that turned into a support group for estranged moms. Um, and so it just kind of has this trickle down effect. And, but had I not been curious about how can I get through this again, the title of this episode, how can I move forward? How can I heal from that? How can I stop feeling this pain? Right? That's curiosity. If I didn't ask those questions, I never would have gotten to where I am today. And so I ask you to to develop a sense of curiosity. Remember, Google's your best friend. Google questions that you have, right? Um, Lots of people are not aware of estrangement, let alone um, how to give supportive um, advice or information about estrangement. Go to Google and see what you can find. Google whatever question you have in your mind and um, you'll just get a plethora of information. Um, Another thing is social media. Um, Finding online support groups, especially in the time of COVID, you know, we're not meeting in person as much anymore. Um, And so online support groups are a great way to find others to help you to feel less alone. Um, However, I do want to uh, have this little caveat to it, and that is to be aware of the quicksand. Um, You know, misery loves company. And so we can get um, mired down in the muck of the loneliness and the pain and um, just rehashing things over and over and over again. So seek out support groups that are there to listen, to help you to feel less alone, to support you, but also encourage you and help support you to move forward into healing. Um, several of those support groups are online. Um, I happen to have one of my own and that's um, for estranged mothers um, online. I would love to be able to one day have a support group for um, 
estranged adult children um, who may be interested in connecting with me as uh, a formerly estranged and now reconciled um, mother where I can help support you um, with maybe parts of, of what you're missing and not having a mother in your life um, in, a, in mothering in healthy ways. Um, another ple- place to go online is uh, YouTube. It's a treasure trove of presentations and free advice from professionals. Um, and a few of those that I recommend are um, the Reconnection Club with Tina Gilbertson, who is a psychotherapist and estrangement expert. Um, Dr. Joshua Coleman, who is a clinical psychologist and estrangement expert. I also would recommend uh, checking out Dr. Gabor Mate, and that last name spelling is M-A-T-E. And um, he, again, is um, a family physician and expert in trauma, addictions, and attachment in childhood. Um, and so uh, we'll get, there's more coming um, down the road on this podcast about that. But those are some places online that you can get some support, information from, and begin to learn more about um, estrangement. Um, And then um, I would also ask that you protect yourself without shutting down. And I know that's easier said than done. Um, When I say protect yourself, meaning, you know, try to limit the people that you could potentially be around that may... um, unknowingly or knowingly judge you, uh, and place judgment on you, uh, regarding your estrangement experience. Um, I would try, try to, to steer clear of folks like that as much as possible because that, that tends to shut us down because we go into shame when we're judged, we then feel shame and that causes us to shut down and it's really hard to heal when you're shut down. So my suggestion is to try to find uh, positive, supportive folks who can say, maybe they say, I don't know anything about estrangement, but I'm here for you. I'm here to listen and I'm here to help you any way that I can and to encourage you. And I'm willing to learn what I need to know about estrangement so that I can help support you. That's very different than someone saying, you know what, I'm tired of hearing about your estrangement. You know, you just need to get on with life and just move on. Those things are not helpful. They're not helpful for an estranged person. Um, It's not helpful when you're in the middle of pain. Um, And then I, the final two things I would suggest, um, number one is therapy. I talk about it all the time. I got myself into therapy about estrangement. Um, when I went through my estrangement experience and I am still in therapy today and it has absolutely transformed my life. Um, now that being said, as of late, I've been reading a lot of negative things about therapists in these online support groups. And I'd like to just say that, um, I work a full-time day job. I am a practice manager for a psychotherapy group practice. And that means I work with psychotherapists every day. I also have a lot of friends who are psychotherapists. And so I have a a little more insight um, to therapy besides just being a therapy client. I also know it from the business perspective. um, And I also have a little more insight as to the training that therapists go through. And so I just wanted to kind of cover a little bit of that today um, to help you 
be able to find a way to find a therapist that, um, well, to understand where a therapist is coming from, but also potentially find a therapist that can um, be helpful and supportive to you in your estrangement experience. Um, number one, therapists are are trained, the way that they are trained is they are focused solely on the client. So when I hear a strange parent say, my kid's therapist is, is telling her to estrange from me and teaching her about estrangement or telling him the best thing he can do is to, to move away from his parents. I'm here to tell you that while I can't speak for all therapists, I do know that the majority of therapists do not do that. What they are doing is supporting their client. If their client speaks of, I need to just distance myself, um, I, I can't be around my family because they're toxic, they're this, that, and the other thing, um, a, a therapist is there to help support that client. And, and a good therapist is going to challenge them on that and and ask them questions what what do you why do you feel that that would is the best move for you how do you think that's going to improve your life do you think it could potentially bring negative effects and if so what might those effects be but bottom line is they're there for their client just as you as an estranged parent when you go to therapy that therapist is working on your behalf only not on behalf of your children so it again two sides of the same coin right and that's how they're trained they're trained to be one-on-one -on -one with a client and working on what that client needs and helping to support that client as best as they can and to help them to navigate um, their past and working through traumas and things such as that and sometimes and I, as a matter of fact i would venture to say most often that requires people when you're working through that kind of stuff in therapy it oftentimes requires you to back away from people so you can get some clear perspective and begin to look at things instead of just being solely in the defensive mode right and fighting against something it you know when you can take some space back and separate from something um, it's just like you've, you've heard that the um, saying when an addict um, is in the middle of you know let's just say they're living someplace where all of their friends and things that people that they hang out with are all um, addicts and they're into drugs and crime and this type of thing how it's really hard for them to change hanging out with the same crowd right it takes them removing themselves from the crowd to be able to get a different perspective and to be able to see things clearly and I am by no means so please do not <laughs> email me and tell me I am correlating parents to drug addicts and criminals that is not what I am saying here I am using that as an example Oftentimes, I knew it took me, as an estranged parent, time to step back away from my children, back away from friends who didn't understand and were giving less than supportive information um, to me, to be able to get a clear perspective on what I wanted, where, what direction I wanted to move in, that type of thing. So, are therapists advocating and supporting a client in that? Yes. I can tell you that most therapists want and understand the need for children and parents to be connected, but they 
want that to happen in healthy ways. And a lot of parent-child relationships are not healthy. And it doesn't mean that you're abusing your children or that you as a child were abused. It just simply means that we don't always know healthy ways of being in relationship with one another. So another piece to therapist is confidentiality. You know, when I'm, I'm, it, I cannot tell you how utterly rabid therapists can be about protecting their client's identity and information, as well as it's a legal requirement. Um, I know when people call our office and, you know, they may say something along the lines of, um, I, my husband uh, sees so-and-so, you know, therapist, and um, I need to see if I can reschedule his appointment. If we do not have a release of information on file, we cannot tell that person who's called in, that spouse, we cannot tell the confirm, confirm nor deny if that person is a client with our practice. That's a legal requirement. It's not because the therapist doesn't want to tell the spouse. It's not because the person answering the phone um, in our, you know, as a customer service rep, it's not because they don't want to tell you. It's a legal requirement, HIPAA. It, they can't. It cannot be revealed. So that is just the training. And understand that if you were in therapy, you would want your therapist to hold your information confidential. So the same thing applies to your children. Again, two sides of the same coin. Um, but therapy is a place where you can go, you can be seen, you can be validated, you can talk about all of your emotions, you can talk about how much you despise your children, you can talk about how much you despise your parents, you can talk about how much pain you're in and how, you know, you just can't believe that these people who claim to love you are hurting you so badly, and that won't be judged in therapy. It's a fabulous, fabulous place to go and get some sort of perspective and weed out through things and, um, you know, get curious about things, um, think about different perspectives, think about different things to do without actually having to put them all into motion, right? It's a place to think what, what is possible for me? What do I want in my life? What do I want to have in my relationships? That's what therapy is for. It's to help you figure those things out. It's to help you to figure out your own past hurts and traumas. Because I'm here to tell you that every single one of us have been parented in ways that were not healthy. Every single one of us. No one gets out of it unscathed. Even the best of parents. There is something you have done, whether it, and most likely it's emotional, right? Without intention, but there is something you have done to harm your children. And as children, there is something your parents have done to harm you, albeit most of us without intention, harmful intent. So therapy is a great place for that. I, I encourage everyone, parents and adult children to get into therapy. And then the final thing I would suggest um, when the time comes, and often it doesn't come until, until um, the end, when you've, you know, you've gone through some therapy, you've worked on yourself a little bit, you've been able to kind of get some clarity on the situation and things, and you're ready to transform 
um, what your experience is. And that's to um, work with a relationship reconciliation coach. Um, I happen to be one of those um, and I work with clients who um, I, I help them to move forward and to transform um, their pain into purpose. And um, I also uh, am available to help them to mediate things um, between their loved one and themselves. So I help to mediate between parent, the estranged parent and the estranged adult children. Um, and I find oftentimes I'm asked to do that by the estranged adult children more than the estranged parents. Um, because I find that the estranged parents feel like they've done nothing wrong and therefore no one needs to mediate anything. It's the kids that need to change. Um, so, but when, if, and when you get to that place where you're ready to, like I said, transform that pain into purpose. And I know in the beginning, you cannot see that. I could not see it. I could not see it. But I'm here to tell you on the other side of that, it is possible and it is a healthy way of moving forward and transforming your relationship with your adult children moving forward. Um, so that brings episode number nine to a close. Um, again, I hope that this time together uh, was time you feel well spent um, and that you're able to find some takeaways uh, to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement or reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, uh, uh, please consider following us, uh, sharing this podcast with others, and perhaps even leaving us a positive review. And lastly, um, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast, anonymously or not, please reach out um, to me via email. And my email address is theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm holding your heart in mine.